book dumping dilemmas. How do you dump that book? Do you do you call it? Do you send it a note that says I would want to dump you? Yes or no? Dump that it via. I don't dump know. It, don't dump it via text. Don't dump it via text. Too rude. <laughs> uh, but first, what are you reading, Bria? Mallory, I finished a great book this morning. Um, it is called Defect, D-E-F-E-K-T, by Nino Cipri. So, so yeah. So this author wrote an. So this whole. So this author wrote a book called Finna, which took place in a. In an IKEA that has multiverses, uh, an IKEA type store. It's not an actual IKEA. Um, and I really liked it. I thought it was really fun. It's a very short, little, cool book. This one, I actually have to say, um, is same universe. None of the same characters, so you don't need to. Uh, it's not like you don't. You don't need to know what happened in the first one. It's a, it's a standalone story. Um, uh, I, well, actually, I think there is one crossover character, but. You don't need to know what happens. Um, uh, and it is actually, I think, even better than the first one. I really enjoyed it. It's about a character, a guy named Derek, who works at this um, Ikea-like store. And um, he, uh, he he kind of is like, can't remember his life outside of the store. And things kind of go poorly one day. And something weird starts happening to his body. And it turns out that he's actually... Uh, was designed and made to work at the store, and he's defective. And then he meets a whole bunch of other versions of himself. I don't know how much I'm telling this, or spoilers. Basically, he be, he meets other versions of himself that are also defective. Um, and, and then and then they and their job is to run around and kill the other def, the defective versions of like chairs and and toilets and things that also are defective but have become sentient <laughs> and they have to go and kill them um because they all all of apparently everything in made in this big box store is made in uh other multiverses where because labor is so cheap there but sometimes they come out and they have like you know a, a death wish or something or, or oh, they want to kill the humans or uh like and stuff like that so they have to run around and kill them um it's super fun. It's great. I love, it's very sort of like fun, anti-capitalist, like anti-big box store, uh, uh, good time. Um, but like, I really enjoyed it. The character of Derek is a guy, is like, he's just a guy who like really is devoted to the store. And you kind of know a guy like that always. And you're like, what is up with that guy? And you're like, oh, what if he was just made by the store? Like that's actually <laughs> like just the greatest premise. Um, what are you reading, Mallory? That sounds absolutely fantastic. I am reading a nonfiction book that I got as a recommendation from our friends over professional book nerds. I'm listening to it on audio and it's incredible. It's The Haunting of Alma Fielding by Kate Summerscale. Um, and it is, it's a nonfiction story about a real life haunting, quote unquote, that happened to this woman in the late 1930s in London. Like, you know, so, the, so through, throughout the whole book, there's this like sort of th- looming thing. Like the, he, the, the author constantly checks in about like, how World War II is looming and, you know, all, you know, there's a, this threat of um, Italy and Germany. So it's like this kind of like very tense background of the book. But it's about this woman. She's this young housewife and she people all of a sudden be, like she believe one day she start things start flying around the room around her, fly out of her hand. She believes that um, there is a poltergeist around there. You know, this was during a time um, when, you know, there's a lot of new inventions going on um radio and telephone and stuff and um you know uh people would think oh well you know what maybe ghosts are real this was like really when the, the there's a big spiritualism movement happening right now so it didn't seem as mm-hmm. sort of bonkers as it does to us today um and what happened is this young um uh investigator for the international institute for cyclical research um started investigating her and what he found basically it's all about how um 
he realized that her quote unquote haunting really was very tied to her trauma and all these awful things that happened to her. And he believes that really it's what's going, she's being haunted by herself and that all like all these awful things that traumatized her are what's causing this haunting. Um, So it's this really, really fascinating look into his work and her and what happened to her and how sometimes that trauma can affect us physically and like what, and, but the whole mystery of the whole book is like, what was going on? Like, was she make, was she doing this? Was she doing it like unconsciously? It's really, really interesting. It's great for people who love spooky things, love spooky nonfiction. This is a, this is a great pick. Um, and the narrator is great. It's written by, it's funny cause it's written by a woman and the, it's about Alma Fielding, but the, um, main, but the, the narrator is a, a nice British man with a nice narrator voice. Um, yeah. I, re- I quite like it. That's The Haunting of Alma Fielding by Kate Summerscale. And mine is Defect by Nino Cipri. So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Max has a hot book tip. Wow, wow. Wow, wow. Hot book tip in the hot morning with Brie and Mallory. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Max says, I'm happy to learn that Mallory finally made the leap to an e-reader. I, too, as a curmudgeonly Luddite who did not want to give up my paper books. Max, I was not a curmudgeonly Luddite. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) I've always respected the (laughs) e-reader. Thank you. Um, I I do really love it now. Um, Max says, but reading at night and being able to easily take 100 books with me when I travel finally sold me. And I've not looked back since. I, too, have a Kobo, and it is excellent. Max has a Kobo Clara. Clara. Um, the Overdrive Library features on, feature on these Kobos is incredible. The only problem with this feature right now is that if you have multiple library cards connected to your Overdrive, you can only access books through one library at a time and have to keep logging in and out of accounts. Since I am a member of both New York Public Library and Brooklyn Library, this was annoying. I found that the easiest way to use this feature on the Kobo is actually through Libby. Libby has the most user-friendly interface for multiple library users, and once you check out a book out of any of your libraries using Libby, all you have to do is press the sync button on your Kobo and the book magically appears on your device, regardless of which library the Kobo is logged into. This is a hot book tip. Whoa! Wow, I had no idea you could do that. You could sync them up like that. That is extremely fucking cool. That is super cool. Wow. Good book tip. Wow. We also got a wheelhouse from Emma who said uh, their wheelhouse is women's health. I like that. Uh, Magical realism. Ironic fantasy a la Terry Pratchett or Piers Anthony. uh, Gritty dystopian queer sci-fi. Narrative fiction centering centering nature. Non-modern retellings of fairy tale. Get your blue jeans out of my fairy tale stories. (laughs) I hate a fairy in jeans. No jeans for fairies. Come on. Fairies obviously have no genes. Uh, or anything about witches, which of course we knew you were going to put that. She wrote, she wrote Natch. <laughs> Fantastic. Bria, I have some very exciting news for you. What is it? This week on Reading Glasses, we have a Jumbotron. Ooh, okay. We need to come up with a Jumbotron noise. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Uh-huh. <laughs> we need like trumpets in the background or something. Um, so this is a Jumbotron from Justin Hathaway, who is writing this Jumbotron for Carly Hathaway. And you want to read uh, Justin's message? Yeah. Justin says, happy anniversary. I love you so much. So sweet. So sweet. Well, Bria and I also want to wish happy ver- anniversary to both Justin and Carly. We hope you are both having a wonderful, possibly bookish time. Uh, and we don't know what anniversary it is, but we're ho- we hope you're having a great one. Congratulations. Congratulations. 
So you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com if you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month. You can sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. Before we talk about book-dumping dilemmas, we're going to take a quick break. Everyone needs an escape, but those can be hard to come by right now. Enter Dipsy. Let yourself get lost in a world where good things happen and where pleasure is the only priority. Dipsy, we've talked about it before on the show. It's an audio app full of short, sexy stories designed to turn you on. We love Dipsy over here. You can listen to stories about hooking up with your hometown crush, you never made a move on, or that coworker you always had a little something for, or maybe a story that puts you in bed with someone who's telling you exactly what they'd like you to do. And if you need to wind down, Dipsy also has wellness sessions, sensual bedtime stories, and soundscapes to help you relax before you drift off. We actually talked about soundscapes. There could be even some soundscapes to help you read to. There's all sorts of great stuff on this. We are really pro this ad. We love the idea of Dipsy. We definitely think you should check them out. For listeners of the show, right now, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash glasses. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipseastories.com slash glasses. dipseastories.com slash glasses. Glasses. Hi, I'm Annabelle Gerwich. And I'm Laura House. And we're the hosts of Tiny Victories. My tiny victory is that I sewed that button back on the day after it broke. We talk about that little thing that you did that's a big deal to you, but nobody else cares. Did you get that Guggenheim Genius Award? We don't want to hear from you. We want little bitty tiny victories. My tiny victory is a tattoo that I added onto this past weekend. Let's talk about it. My victory is that I'm one year cancer free, but my tiny victory is that I took all of the cushions off the couch, pounded them out, put them back, and it looks so great. So if you're like us and you want to celebrate the tiny achievements of ordinary people, listen to Tiny Victories. It's on every Monday on Maximum Fun. This week, we got a listener email with a book dubbing dilemma that is so complicated, it deserves its own episode. We're going to leave the name off of this and keep it anonymous just in case. But this person wrote in to say, I'm trying to follow your advice of following my heart, reading what I love, and dumping books when I'm not loving them. However, I'm afraid that it will conflict with reading diversely. People like books they relate to, and I have a very privileged background. What if dumping books I don't love disproportionately affects marginalized authors? I've tried to expand my reading taste this past year and did discover authors in my wheelhouse who I love and are also more diverse. So I don't tend to have a problem with books. Also, I don't tend to have a problem with books explicitly about social justice. Like, so you want to talk about race and how to be an anti-racist. At the same time, people don't always like hearing different perspectives. I'm a privileged white person, and if I only read the disabled narratives I approve of or the stories by people of color that I like, aren't I self-editing what their lives should be? Some people have lived very different lives from me, and I might not like to hear that. It can't always just be, quote-unquote, 
diverse people go on fun adventures. An indigenous people's history of the United States isn't going to be light or a fun read. If I have the number one rule to only read things I like reading, then won't I miss out on the full picture? Plus, I feel guilty for all the stuff I've read in my past that I didn't enjoy and was problematic. I can make peace with reading a lot of animal books and less romance if that's my personal preference. But I can't give myself a pass on this because I'm afraid by nature of who I am. I'll grab it. Because I'm afraid by nature of who I am, I'll gravitate towards privileged authors and even my choices of diverse authors will also be problematic. I think I'm approaching a lot of books with an eat it, it's good, eat it, it's good for you mentality. I know that's not good. That would make less diverse authors like dessert. And I guess I'm afraid the bean soup in this metaphor, both delicious and healthy, isn't giving me all the nutrition I need. Should I just treat it like required reading and use those strategies? I don't know if I can ask you two to forgive me and release me from my guilt. It's kind of a personal confidence thing in my case since I'm following my heart, but worried my heart will lead me wrong. Um, Bria, what do you think about this? This is a very serious email. Um, and I have to say, first, I love the self-reflection. I love the self-reflection. Um, I love that it, this person is trying to be very self-aware because a lot of people are not, right? And I, I get the vegetables metaphor. Like, I totally, I understand that. Um, and I just want to say it's great that you're having this moment of reflection and trying to specifically think about how and why you react to certain books or certain characters in a certain way. Um, I feel like I see a lot of this going on right now with a lot less of the reflection of why. Um, like, and I think that's great. And our goal here at Reading Glasses is first and foremost to get you to read and get you to not feel guilty. <laughs> so I have to say, you have to stop feeling guilty. <laughs> we really want you to stop feeling guilty. Uh, that's the most important thing because you're doing this hard work. You're reflecting. You're thinking about why you're making these choices. And that that alone is like, that's cool. That's cool that you're doing that. So like, stop stop feeling bad. <laughs> we don't want people to walk away feeling bad. Um, Mallory, what do you want to say? Um, well, obviously, in the past few years, there's been a huge push for diversity and inclusion in publishing, which is amazing. Um, I think a lot of privileged readers have this urge to read, like this, this the person who wrote in here, to read as much serious work that engages with racism and prejudice as possible. And that's also great. But this person was like, oh, it can't always be diverse people go on fun, fun adventures. And I think it can. It, it <laughs> truly can be. Spoiler alert. I think it can. I truly, truly think it can if you want to be. Yeah, because there's a fuck ton of cool, diverse authors who are writing uh, diverse people going on adventures that that I think would be like, which they want you to read their work. And there's a lot of people writing those adventure books. Um, so I guess my advice here first is if that is your wheelhouse, um, uh, to, to, figure, to figure out what your wheelhouse is, actually. So if it is people in space, if it is going on adventures, then I think first find those adventure novels by those diverse authors. I think you're probably already doing this. It's hard for me to tell from this email, but I think that's a great place to start. And if you're bumping against something that doesn't quite feel like the world you're used to, I would say stick with it a little bit longer. Examine why you're feeling that way and see why these character differences, how this character might be different from you and how they might be similar to you and like why you're bumping against these certain things. Um, because you seem like a very self-reflective person. <laughs> you seem like you want to examine this. I think this is great. So find something that's like really, really in your wheelhouse and uh, buy an author that you wouldn't, that doesn't have the same background as you and figure out if that's something you like. And if not, why are you bumping against it? Yeah. I mean, 
I, I you know, I, I want to ask the person who, who, who wrote in and, you know, anyone else who feels this way, like if you were reading books that are in your wheelhouse by white authors, do you feel like you're self-editing their lives? Like, you know, by saying that the only books by marginalized authors that you quote unquote should be reading are ones that deal mostly with social justice and racism, ableism, whatever, you're saying that those are the only ones that are, that matter, you know, those are the ones that you should be reading. You know, a marginalized character going on a fun adventure or a marginalized author getting to write about joy is just as important. You know, it mm. matters, of course, to marginalized readers uh, seeing themselves represented in all different kinds of books. But, you know, for publishers to see the support for these books and want to make more of them. That would be like if someone told me and Bria, you can only make stuff about feminism. Like, I, I'm only allowed to write serious books about feminism. Bria, you're only allowed to make movies about serious feminist things. Like, neither of us want to get stuck in that pigeonhole. You know, seeing marginalized characters go on an adventure might make a reader more empathetic towards real life people like that, in addition to supporting those authors. I, and I actually think it, I think it does. I think it goes a lot, a lot farther than people think. I think that like, I mean, I've heard people who, you know, read comics or something and there is, oh, now there is like a trans character in this comic book they're reading and suddenly they have like, they realize like, oh, I, I have more empathy for this person. I have this, I had, I've learned more about this person from this community. It opens people's eyes a lot to see them in places, to see openly gay characters. I mean, specifically I'm talking about in the comic book world right now or, or having people of color like front and center in comic books uh, in books as well, but I think because comic books felt like such a straight white male club for so long, um, it's a place that like seeing them go on these adventures actually has like done, I think, a lot of great social justice. A hundred percent. Agreed. So if you feel like you want to be learning and growing more in your reading, my best next best bit of advice is goes against a little bit what we usually preach here, but I would say it seems like you like these nonfiction books. Um and I think it's cool to keep reading those, like, and pick a manageable amount, pick a, pick, you know, give yourself a little curriculum. Um, you know, People's History is a tough book to get through, but if you want, feel like you want to learn that, I think it's okay to read a book that you want to learn from. It's funny that this person also feels guilty for being like, and I'm reading books I want to learn from, which feels like, I don't know, they, this person just feels guilt all the way around, I feel like. Yeah, we need um, to, to <laughs> fix this. Because, like, I'm often reading books that I'm not super excited about reading, but I'm reading them for work or um, or because I want to feel educated. And I think that that is really important. Um, it doesn't have to be a textbook-based book, though. I mean, there are a lot of books that are like that that are not quite as serious. Like, um, I was going to recommend You'll Never Believe What Happened to Lacey, which I talked about a couple mm -hmm. weeks ago, because it's about racism. But it isn't going to go into a lot of theory, so it's kind of in between what you're reading now, which is, like, the more theoretical stuff, and then just, like, people on adventures. This is, uh, like, a nonfiction, but, like, it is kind of a fun... You're kind of walking away laughing, but also, like, thinking about stuff, which I think is great. Um, you have marginalized authors, but uh, you're getting a lot of different... You're getting a different perspective there, um, and it's not quite what you had been reading before. But I think finding these books and being like, yeah, I am going to read these books, and... I mean, I think the problem because it seems like they're reading these books, right, Mallory? They're reading yeah. uh, like, but but if you but is the problem that they feel like vegetables and that 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 makes them feel bad? Is that part of it? You think it's it seems like they are doing a lot, like a lot of their nonfiction reading engages with with racism, misogyny, tra transphobia, whatever, um, which is great. And I do think 
I mean, both Bria and I work really hard as privileged people to to keep ourselves educated and, and to, to read nonfiction that deals with those issues. I think it's something that's really important and I think it's something that should keep going. But it seems like this uh, this person in their like more leisure reading in their like not in their fiction reading feels like they should be reading more diversely and they're worried that they're only going to like mm-hmm. books by white people. Um, And I think there's this idea that reading diversely means exclusively reading out of your comfort zone and reading about people and characters that are different from you. And like, again, reading out of your comfort zone and reading, making sure you're reading um, books by that have um, characters and authors that are different from you is great. Definitely something folks should do. But it can also mean just finding stories that you already like from marginalized authors and with marginalized characters. You know, you're not self-editing what people's lives should be. You're reading books that you like and supporting diversity diversity and marginalized authors. Um, for instance, I fucking love haunted house books. I'm obsessed with them. I read every haunted house book I can find. Um, and I also try to read as many haunted house books by marginalized authors that I can. You know, reading diversely doesn't mean reading stuff you don't like. It's not an either or situation. Um, it's not either I read really good books that I like or read a random book by a marginalized author because I feel like I have to, you know, reading more diversely means finding more books you'll love by a bigger variety of authors with a bigger variety of characters. You don't have to look at like, oh, well, I'm going to read one book that I like and then one book that's diverse because, you know, I just feel like I, you don't have to just read a random one. You're not self-editing by picking ones like maybe you're like Bria and you're obsessed with sci-fi and you love women on a journey. Like if you pick up books by um you know you're like all right well the books that i'm going to read by black authors this month are going to be about sci-fi and women on a journey of which there are many amazing ones you're not like that's great you know anything in your wheelhouse you can find by a bigger variety of authors with a bigger variety of characters yeah and i just want to talk about this one part of this email where they say i i feel guilty for all the stuff I've read in the past that I didn't enjoy and was problematic and I just want to say um uh, like, look, when you know better, you do better, right? I mean, that's that. I mean, like, you gotta. I think Maya Angelou said that, and I'm probably gonna completely misquote that. But you, you know better now. You know that to not stick with these problematic books, and you know to try to find books that that you actually enjoy. It feels like you're moving in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, you know, we see Bria and I see this in the film world all the time, where it, it this kind of thinking, even if it's well intentioned, leads to like oh, well, here's a black filmmaker. They can only make things about black, about like racism and the history of slavery, you know, whereas, you know, it's just as important to have those, those filmmakers, you know, make a book about a circus in space. Like, I don't fucking know. It's the same thing in, in the book world. You know, people should be able to be free to write about whatever they want. And I really do think that, um, showing marginalized people experiencing joy and being the heroes of a fun story is just as radical, just as important. Um, cause you know, there's, there's a lot of publishers, you know, historically have looked at black authors and been like, oh, well you can only engage with these quote unquote black subjects, you know, or same thing with queer authors, with disabled authors. And a lot of these authors might be like, well, but I want to write about, you know, a magical farm with like a talking pig. Like <laughs> they should be able to do that. And, you maybe you want to read that so yeah i think um hopefully we're we're being clear um basically i think what we're saying is reading more diversely and making sure you have more inclusion in your reading isn't about eating your vegetables you know it's finding other things you're finding things that you already like that are that that support things that you want to support does that make sense 
Yeah, I think so. I think so. And and examining, like, if you're stopping reading those diverse, those if you are reading within your wheelhouse and you're stopping reading those books, like, looking at why. why. Why is that happening every single time? If those are the books you're putting down because you don't relate to the main characters in some way, uh, I think that that's when you start asking these hard questions. Yeah. So you can send your thoughts to Reading Glasses Podcast at gmail.com before we answer a reader question. <laughs> Reading Glasses is brought to you in part this week by Feels CBD. CBD isn't about what you feel. It's about what you don't feel. Things like stress, anxiety, pain, and Feels is a way to feel better. Feels is a premium CBD designed to help you keep your head clear and feel your best. It's hassle-free and delivered directly to your door. It's very convenient, let me tell you. Uh, If you don't know about CBD, CBD naturally helps reduce stress, anxiety, pain, and sleeplessness. There's no hangover or addiction. It comes in this really cute package they sent us some. Um, It is great if you like CBD, if you're thinking about using CBD, this is a good one to try out and it just comes directly to your door. You don't even have to go anywhere to get it. And Feels offers a CBD hotline to help guide your personal experience. And that hotline is free. So you can find your perfect dose. Start feeling better with Feels. Become a member today by going to feels.com slash glasses and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. There's no reason not to try that. And that's feels, F-E-A-L-S dot com slash glasses. F-E-A-L-S. To become a member, that's where you go, and you get 50% automatically taken off your first order and free shipping. Feels.com slash glasses. Glasses. Hello, I'm Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. And we host Still Buffering, a cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. Every week, we share media that made us who we are. Things like Archie Comics, Sailor Moon, and lots of Taylor Swift. And now that Riley's an adult, it comes with 100% more butts. And now I am totally comfortable with it. So check out new episodes of Still Buffering every Thursday on MaximumFun.org. Butts, butts, butts. Join in, Riley. Butts, 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 Now let's answer a reader question from one of our listeners. Michelle writes in, I was wondering if you guys had any advice on where to find translated books. Um, I, I like to buy, and, the, and Michelle's talking about the other way around. Because Michelle says, I like to buy books for my friend's elderly mother, but her first language is Korean. And I'm having a hard time finding popular books in the U.S. that have been translated into Korean. Any tips or help you could provide would be great. I'm trying to avoid Amazon if possible, but even Amazon doesn't have a lot of options. P.S. I just finished Mary and it was fucking cute. I loved it and cannot wait for the next one. Bria, what do you think Michelle should do? Oh, thank you about Mary. Um, this is tough, and Mallory has a really good answer, so I'm going to let her say that. Um, but here's a complicated answer that's not as great. Um, <laughs> is that you could find books that have been translated from Korean to English, um, and there's a lot of great books uh, lists on this. And we're going to link to one oh, that was on Book Riot. Reverse engineer it. In, That's cool. Reverse engineer it. So you'll find these books, and then you know you can find them in Korean. If you're trans, they're translated books the other way. Um, I think this is also a really great 
um, uh, a question for your local bookstore or your local librarian. But either way, if you find these books in English that have been translated from Korean, uh, you can go and order those in the original Korean, probably from your local bookstore. Um, but Mallory has an even better answer than this. Yeah, I found a really cool website for this. It's called Han Books, H-A-N, uh, that sells a ton of books in Korean. It's a great website. Um, absolutely check it out, especially if you're looking for more contemporary books. I checked, and there's a ton of big, buzzy books, and it seems like, you know, that's exactly what Michelle is looking for. Definitely mom books, you know, mom, like big, buzzy literary fiction that's good for book clubs. It's like great for moms, uh, like All the Light We Cannot See, Pachinko. Um, they're on there in Korean. Um, also, there's a lot of used bookstores that have sec- sections in other languages. Um, so that's worth looking into for any listeners that have the same problem but are looking for other languages, um, you know, it's we're in this like weird time in the pandemic in the U S where like, you know, some books are, are open. Some are, some bookstores are open. Some are like doing limited viewings, whatever. Um, but if they're, you've got a cool used bookstore that you like and definitely check it out to see if they're just like, ha- they have a small Korean section, even if it's just a shelf, um, definitely worth looking into. Uh, so if you want us to solve your reader problem, you can send it to reading glasses podcast at gmail.com. Time to answer a recommendation request from one of our listeners. This is actually a recommendation request for, for from many listeners. All like like t- I think it's like ten to twenty of them have formed together into a Voltron of of please give us this book request. Um, so we've gotten a ton of requests for fiction books that are great on audio. I honestly think I Bria, I think we have like ten or twenty of them in our inbox right now. Um, wow. Yeah. So instead of doing them all individually, because they're all literally just like, hey, I really want to get into more fiction on audio. What are good books that are fiction that are great on audiobook? Um, and we're, so we're going to give some recs. Um, Bria, what are some good, you've been listening to a lot of fiction audiobooks. What are some good ones? I've been doing more nonfiction than fiction lately, but I have done a few fiction. And um, first of all, I got to say, Libra FM, we have, a, we have a special code there. So use that glasses. code. We'll link to it. It's, it's glasses. And what it is, is if you sign up for a monthly membership with that code, you get a free audiobook. And it's basically you pay, I think it's $14.99 a month, and but you get three audiobook credits a month, which is $14.99 for three audiobooks, especially considering a lot of audiobooks are like 30 bucks, is pretty fucking good. <laughs> it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, we love Libra FM. We both started, we both actually were fans of them before that we became affiliates of them. And they're like, hey, do you want to be an affiliate? And we were like, absolutely, we do. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, promo code glasses. Check that out. Okay, so I have listened to a few. I'm going to name some of the ones I've listened to in the last year or two. Um, uh, Joyland by Stephen King. A lot of them are older books. Uh, Joyland by Stephen King is great. Got a great reader. It's mystery with a little horror at an old theme park. It's great. I loved it. I loved the reader. I found him very attractive. I don't know what was going on there. I liked him a lot. Um, and some other older books I loved... Um, Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier uh, and Perfume by Patrick Suskind. Um, these were great. I love, I love, a, I love when someone reads to me in a British accent or a very proper <laughs> speaking voice. Uh, so that was really fun because I feel like my internal reading voice is not a British accent and it's not very proper. So when I'm reading a book like Rebecca, like I want that person to like speak to me in a way that sounds like very formal. So it, I really liked that. Um, if you want something more modern, I really liked Plain Bad Heroines by Emily Danforth. I listened to that one, um, and it was really oh. good. Uh-huh. And also The Death of Vivek Oji. 
was really good. Um, that was a really like uh, one done by multiple narrators. I really liked it. Both those were great, and like I, I thought they really worked. Even though I know Plain Bad Heroines has pictures in the book, which I never saw, it worked super well. I listened to the whole thing, and I really the, the loved illustrations it. are not like like you're not. It's not like you're missing out on any plot. They're really nice, but it's you're not like missing out on a part of the story. Yeah, if you like horror, though, this is we loved this book. It was on both of our top tens. Um, definitely worth checking out. And it was a really good listen. What do you got? So my big recommendation for this is How to Build a Girl by Catelyn Moran. Um, I love all, all Catelyn Moran's books so much that I've read them in print and on audio. Um, you know, it's a tiny tangent for this. Um, but I, Bria, you and I talked a while ago about your movie lucky and how it's important that not all, um, not, not all media is needs to be prescriptive. Um, and Mm. I think that Mm -hmm. might tie in a little bit with the main, um, the, the main topic of this episode. Cause for like, for a while I was feeling really conflicted about reading Catelyn Moran because she writes a lot of non, a lot of nonfiction about feminism, but, um, it's not not all the advice she has is good for people of all races. You know, she doesn't, uh, but because she's, she's a white woman, you know, she's um, she, it, a, lot, a lot of that, a lot of her, her feminism isn't super intersectional, um, but it made me feel a lot better thinking about like, okay, well, not every single piece of nonfiction in the world, not every single fiction piece of fiction at all needs to be pres- prescriptive for everybody. Um, yeah, Bree's making a face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it shouldn't be. I, I, I mean, wow, if you're able to achieve that, great. But I mean, a lot of times I'm interested in stories about people who I disagree with or stories about people who are doing things that I'm like, oh, no, don't do that. Like, I'm not, but I don't think the author's saying this person should do that. They're saying this is the choice this person would make from this, th- who is coming from this background, yeah, which I think so is very not- different. So now I feel better recommending Catelyn Moran because I do <laughs> adore her. Um, I, I love her fiction. I love her nonfiction. Um, her book, How to Build a Girl, um, is, ugh, folks, it's fucking incredible. Again, I read them all in print and on audio. Um, Louis, uh, Louise Breezley reads How to, How to Build a Girl, and it's amazing. It's like this really funny, very compelling, very sweet, beautiful book. Um, the audio book is fantastic. Um it's about a, it's sort of like an autobiographical novel about this young girl and who grew up extremely poor and she ends up becoming sort of uh, a music reviewer and like all the, and start, starts going to shows and, but she's still really young and it's like her trying to grow up while also being, how to be, how to be a girl while also being in this very adult place and she's trying to figure out how to build because when you're a teenager you just take different parts of other people that you admire and turn them into a personality for yourself and that's what she's doing and it's just the audiobook is so so great so that's a fun literary fiction um also the audiobook for Catherine House by Elizabeth Thomas is really wonderful um, oh interesting a book that Bria and I both really loved um I did an event with Elizabeth Thomas and she mentioned that she loved the audiobook for her book so I had to check it out be, um the narrator is uh, Inez del Castillo and um which is funny because that's the, the same first name of the of the main character in Catherine House uh. um and she really rocks it it's super super good I think the test of a good narrator is being able to give slightly different voices for all the characters without being a cheap like it being super cheesy yeah yeah like, so tough. we all hate like a male narrator that's like Hi, I'm Mrs. Buttersworth like it's just yeah. um it's, like they get us straight into Mrs. Doubtfire yeah uh <laughs> But 
the narrators for all the books we're talking about are really, really good. And they're also very compelling. Some folks are nervous about fiction on audio because they're like, oh, if I miss something, then I feel like I'm going to miss the plot. These are all really, really good and hook you in quickly, I think, is um, all the I think we we ended up recommending five of them. We'll put them all all in the show notes so you don't have to worry. Uh, there'll be a big a big list in there for you to check out. Um, I actually think we can put the link to them on Libros to the actual audiobook in the show notes. Oh, good. Um, cool. But they're they're all great, and we think you should check them out. You can send in your recommendation request to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank the wonderful mods who run our Facebook group and Chrissy and Rachel who moderate our Goodreads page. Remember, you can buy Reading Glasses tote bags and shirts and stickers and, uh, you know, notebooks, pillows, coasters, um, all different kinds of shirts, sweatshirts, all kinds of fun stuff in our new store. We're really obsessed with it. You should absolutely check it out. The designs are fantastic. And if you like the show and want to do something for free, you can rate and review us, rate and review us on iTunes. It's great for us. It helps us reach more listeners. It helps us reach more advertisers. It makes us feel very fancy about ourselves. You can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at Reading G Podcast, on Instagram at readingglassespodcast. And thanks for listening, and thanks for reading. Thanks for reading. Thanks for reading.